Hey, we're back, Johnny Fry and I. I like that rhyme. I'm going to make a poem out of it one day. I might use ChatGPT to write Chat an GBT. entire poem. Yeah, you could be a poet, little do you know it. Johnny Fry and I are going to be sitting down with Anthony Abel over at TPX. I've gotten a few, uh, a few articles out of TPX uh, with the real estate and all that and the property exchanges. But this week, what did they write an article about? Well, it's it's probably got to be the uh, longest title we've had uh, for for um for a while. The new model digital asset economy with inflation resistant money coming to a city near you. Tony, you're getting more verbose as we have more articles from you. What's going on? It must be old age. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks for having me back on. Uh, yeah, no, we're very much trying to uh, elicit uh, into the broader audience a higher level of understanding of how our economy works and the effect of inflation on it. And so uh, very much what we're leading with here is is our focus on moving to what we call uh, the digital asset economy, um, obviously based on our blockchain technologies at all. Um, but it's a new exciting world. And it, it has some rather nice attributes of being inflation resistant. And that, of course, is of a keen interest to a lot of people right now. OK, so, Tony, we, we, we've got the, you know, inflation's dead. It's all gone. You know, the inflation's falling in America. It's uh, it fell by 0.1% in the uk so what's the big deal Point one percent. slow down big spender <laughs> <laughs> yeah well as many of us have said and even our chancellor here in the uk has has uh, been keen to point out uh we ain't done yet um so yes uh there are aspects where uh we're seeing some things start to level down a little bit so obviously our energy prices are starting to get a little more sensible um and uh people are are stopping to trying to uh, hike it up beyond the, the pale um, but that's still in the supply chain. Uh, we still have a lot of issues there. That's still going to affect us for a while. But intrinsically, uh, and down to the systemic and endemic issues of our economies, and this is part of the, the point of the article, is is that uh, a lot of these issues are, are historic. Uh, Putin didn't cause inflation. Uh, the energy didn't cause inflation. Uh, that was already going to happen in 2017. We modeled it. And we said it, you know, we anticipated double digit inflation around this point in time. And we built our exchanges to specifically um, support that type of economy. OK, so when, I know one of your concerns, Tony, you've got, a, got a, an interesting chart here from um, Fred St. Louis um, talking about U.S. money supply. Um, yes. Listeners can't see the chart, but can you explain what's been happening to money supply? But both both in the U.S. and also back in Blighty, both seem yes, to be- you know, pumping out cash, so to speak. Yeah, well, well, I mean, for, for some of the, the, the listeners uh, on this, you, you, you know, the, the classic sort of the money machine goes burr. Um, that's what we've been facing. So uh, and that's not just about the pandemic and all the the, the uh, uh, stimulation payments, as I said, they put out there, you know, where they were feeding the economy to drive consumption. Actually, it goes far deeper than that. And it's much more historic and, and depending upon your your perception of history goes back either 50 years to when we went off the gold standard or 80 years if you look at the, the, the longer cycles and what's happened there. Ray Dalio and his writings are always a great one for this one, pointing out the, the patterns of history and how they recur. And so we were part of that world. We think in macro terms and we anticipate that this current change that we're seeing is a macro change. It's, it's systemic, it's endemic, it's part of our system. We're carrying too much debt in our economies uh, um, and that's been building up over a long period of time. That's personal, government, uh, you name it. 
it's too much debt in the system. Corporate uh, debt, yet, that's not exactly small, is it? Uh, corporate debt, national debt, our governments have been spending like there's no tomorrow. And, you know, if they keep on doing it, there, there won't be a tomorrow. And that's part of the issue. Um, this is not new. And to lay the fear, worst fears of your listeners here, this is not new. This has happened many times over history. You just have to be able to look back far enough to realize it. And so when how far have we got to go back? You're talking about going back to Roman times, weren't you? <laughs> well, there is this aspect that it was faster to do banking across the Mediterranean in Roman times by a sailing ship than it is today. Um, <laughs> but we won't go too much into that. Um, otherwise, you might bore all your listeners here. No, no, the fundamental issue here is, is, is uh, monetary inflation. They printed up too much money at a time of too much debt. Um, we're all to some degree addicted to it. It's quite useful stuff when you have it. You, each economy needs a bit of it. But they've been uh, uh, taking the mick, as they say, uh, for quite some time now, uh, our national governments and our governments. And the end result is the classic economic uh, definition of inflation, too much money chasing too much goods. Well, guess what, guys? we got too, too much goods. money in the economy. Well, now, too much now money chasing too yeah, tasting two free goods. But even now, the, you see, what happens typically when you have these cycles is, first off, you, you use up what's in the supply system already. And that's largely where we are now. All right, And then everybody adjusts their supply system for the fact that people don't have as much money as they had before. Well, guess what? They produce less. And when they produce less, then when the demand does come back, then you've got too much money chasing too, too few goods again. So here we go again, guys. And it's a roller coaster ride. So Although the politicians love getting on a headline and saying, look, you know, it's a little bit better as we shave 0.1 off the inflation rate. In actual fact, our inflation rate is is going to be quite high for quite some time to come. OK, so so let, let's take it that inflation isn't dead and it, it really is um, you know, going to continue to insidiously sort of um, eat away at sort of people's capital. W what has that got to do with, the, with, with your title? And you're saying the the new um the new model, the digital asset economy. Um, you know, are you, you're telling people to go and buy a lot of crypto or something? Uh, <laughs> I would suggest they think twice before doing so. Um, the issue we always face here is this one, is, is in times of inflation, uh, that old adage, uh, safe as houses, you know, this aspect of investing or holding your money in the asset of the land, whether that be productive farmland or whether it be houses that people live in, is that generally those types of assets do quite well over time because they're deemed to be inflation resistant. The reason, fundamental reason is there's more demand for them than there is supply. We're not, print, we're not printing up any more fields or houses as such. We are building houses slowly, but not at the rate of demand. And so there's always this aspect of more demand than there is supply, and that keeps the, 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 the house stock, so to speak, the asset, the physical asset of property, more buoyant than a lot of other assets because everybody has to have somewhere to live. And generally work um, and so therefore that asset class does quite well and that's what we're anticipating except the, what's changing now is that for the first time ever you can take property and use it as money itself and if you take that attribute of inflation resistant aspect of property by turning it into a digital asset which people can use in payment for goods and services and indeed your salary for the future then all of a sudden you've created inflation resistant money itself and that's interesting. That's what's happening right now out there. OK, so so we've, we've got the um, well, you come up with an amazing statistic. Well, not you have, but Savills, that the the size of the real estate market is what, 300 and what, 326 trillion. That's a heck of a lot. Of well, as they keep inflating the money, the value of the money that's denominated and I'd argue it's even higher than that now. Um, but then you have this aspect of nominal value and real value. But again, the conversation for another day. 
Um, what's actually happening, it's a very big asset. Uh, property worldwide is a very big asset and it doesn't move. And so it's called what we call an intrinsic value asset. You, I, most of your listeners live somewhere. <laughs> we, we have a house uh, or we live in a house or a property. It's real. It doesn't move. You can see it on Google Maps. It has profile. It has history. It has trust. And there comes the bigger point. Is intrinsic value assets have trust? Property is an intrinsic value asset. Extrinsic value asset, i.e. what someone is willing to pay for something, generally doesn't have trust. And so therefore, a NFT, I can tell you a hilarious story about an invisible statue NFT that's out there, non-fungible token, that they're trading in the crypto world. Um, it was truly invisible. They lost it. They found it. They claimed on insurance. Um, it is quite a story. Um, but it fundamentally never existed. But it actually got quite a high price because the traders out there realized that it's a very convenient way to create value, albeit from a sleight of hand, and then trade that value. And they like trading it up. They try to get down. They don't really care what the asset is. So an extrinsic value is something that other people will pay money for and they'll deem what price they want to pay what they want to pay for that item. But that really, does it really exist or doesn't it exist? Most of the traders in the world don't really care. And therein lies the difference between an intrinsic value asset-based economy and an extrinsic value crypto-based economy, if you want to put it that way. Okay, so so real estate, looking another way, could be seen as a decentralized asset. I, it's not reliant on a centralized entity like a central bank or a government, unlike cash, where... Cash is obviously very centralized and you can create more debt, as we've seen in many of the um, parts of the world. Whereas a decentralized asset, so real estate, um, Bitcoin, you could argue, but certainly gold, silver and things like that. You can't just make more of it. You can go and mine more, but there is a there is a physical limitation on the actual stock, the actual amount of it. So, so what you're saying, if, if there was a way to buy parts of a property... Um, because it's been digitized, then um, smaller investors could still be exposed to what should be reflation resistant asset I real estate. Is, is, that, is that the crux of what you're talking about here? Then? That's exactly it. I mean, you know, there's this lovely phrase that's good to use occasionally in our industry. The, the, the democratization of the ownership of property is all of a sudden we make it affordable. The ante up in the big poker game of life when it comes to property, so to speak, is now affordable. You can buy a piece of slice of property, the title of property recognized by governments, land registries around the world, under law, um, institutional grade, um, is that you can you can buy a slice of property now and own it yourself and cut out all the middlemen. And to make property okay. valuable that way is, is something that's never been done before. And so um, what we've been working on for five years, when we model this out, we use central bank data for some of the modeling that we were mentioning in this call today. Uh, is that when we model it all out, we realize that in, in a change of economic systems, which is exactly the same as happened many times over in history, too much debt, debasing of the currencies, et cetera, et cetera, putting too much tin in the gold coin, so to speak, is that you end up moving back to some form of asset-based economy. And we decided to take that $326 trillion that Savills pointed out exists in the world and turn that effectively into the new world currency. Okay, so... So you, it's interesting because you're, you're not alone in terms of looking to use blockchain technology in the in the real estate market. There's, there's obviously a number of companies that are out there um, fractionalizing, tokenizing real estate. Um, there's also a company called Property Exchange Australia. Um, and what they're doing is they're enabling people to buy and sell property or remortgage property um, using a blockchain. 
Um, what's interesting, if you go on to PEXA, Property Exchange Australia, you'll find it very, very difficult to find any mention of blockchain. Yet, at the moment, roughly 80% of all mortgages in Australia are being run on the PEXA platform. So clearly, blockchain technology is overcoming some of the concerns that some people have around speed and scalability. But but the blockchain that you've developed for the um, for, for, for TPX, you know, ha- can that handle many transactions a minute? Because obviously, if we're talking about lots of money, we want to make sure that if I buy a slice of your house, I, A, you can't sell it twice, and B, you know, you can't sell it while I'm sell twice at the same time, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we design this very carefully. I don't tend to go deep, deep into the technical layers, but but if you look at Visa Card, they're doing twenty seven thousand uh, transactions a second. We're wow. looking to do about two hundred and seventy thousand transactions a second on these chains. Jake. By the way, we designed them because they're distributed. You don't do all the computing in one place. Is you decentralize them and it allows you to do uh, um, a broader base, and that allows you to speed up the speeds as well. And so, from that point. About- Okay, but tell you what about the worry? You know, we, there's been a lot of lot of talk in the press about um, the need to, you know, not your not your keys, not your not your money, and and you know, trusting you know third parties with with you know with your house or with cash. How can you sort of get around those concerns then? Well, the, the systems that we developed don't have any custodials, um, so okay. you move directly from uh, the owner, one owner to another, um, and they hold it directly inside well, pay, of their own. So we don't we don't have any of that the lovely thing is when I'm talking to the regulators we don't have a custodial based system uh, we're a transport company uh, we move we create the, the ability for people to buy and sell property directly the best way to look at it is a bit like an Amazon you can now buy it directly like you can buy all things on Amazon now um, this is a thing um, it's a, it's a title of a property and it's deemed by the regulators not to be a security by the virtue of the way we designed it and you're buying a title of a property and you sell it to somebody else. Um, there is no middlemen in our systems. There is no uh, margin accounts. There's no leverage. Um, you own it or you don't own it. It's binary. And that's a very important feature because when we take the property certificates, they're designed very specifically to be able to use directly in payment systems. And so right. therefore, there, there is no, no loan, no margins, no, no trading of the data, et cetera, et cetera, for somebody else's advantage. Uh, we level the playing field between a Goldman Sachs and the retail marketplace. And that's never been mm-hmm. done before. All right. So despite the very long title, what you're really saying, inflation isn't dead. There's far too much debt around. And just look at the long term performance of real estate. And it's it's been a pretty good hedge against inflation. And now it's possible to get exposure to real estate um, in, in a digitized format. That's it. That's where the world is going to. And it's not just us. There are other players in the, in the field, as you mentioned, some of them, you know, they're, they're all mm-hmm. playing in the field. But the issue okay. is, is how do you create liquidity around the asset? And that's why we, we've worked with the regulators, with the, with the banks, uh, the institutions to create a institutional grade system that allows uh, everybody to play in a level playing field and make that asset a liquid tradable asset class. Because ultimately in the best, as I finish on that article, the best uh, will in the world uh, in the future, would you want to be pay, paid with a high inflation depreciating fiat currency? Or would you rather be paid with a highly volatile, a questionable value crypto? Or would you rather get your next salary check uh, from something that's made out of property uh, where everybody knows precisely what the value is every second or every day? And you very difficult to inflate that away. So right. that's where we're going with this. Okay. James, any thoughts, queries, questions? 
Or forever hold your peace, as they say, when you're in church and about to get married. Well, you know, I think I asked this last time, but maybe I forgot. The You're talking about the, you know, the certificate of transfer, because it's an exchange. Like you said, you're just acting as a transport for really buying a piece of a house to keep yep. it dumb, right? So th- does that remove the need for, and is that the right thing to say? Does it lessen the requirements of like title insurance and title searching and uh, basically that whole closing process that you go through? If I was to you- say I went on a TPX and, and, and I bought an entire home, could I do that? Perfectly possible. Yeah, yes, you can. Okay. Um, from our point of view, the, the point is this one is history has a wonderful habit of spotting the patterns and um, dare I say it, spotting others malfe- malfeasance, uh, malfeasance in this way. And so what we've done is we mirrored the existing workflow processes. You still have to do the search and the survey in the traditional conveyancing process. Someone needs to check that the property is there. It's real. It's, it's, it's uh, as it is represented. Um, verified it, validated it, audited it, and making sure that the on-ramps for putting a digital asset such as someone's house, which is a primary asset for most people in their lives, is done properly and is done securely. And it becomes something that everybody has absolute trust in. Um, So we actually emulate what's already out there. So title insurances, all the insurances, if the property burns down, is hazard insurance. Anybody who holds a title certificate gets paid. Uh, And it's very purposely designed uh, that way to make sure that we maintain the value of that title certificate in the payment system. Of course, you have to have the backend system that maintains its integrity throughout its life. And that's what we've done with the exchanges. Being on a blockchain, do you, do you publish the idea at all about resistance to say title theft? Uh, yes. Well, the issue that we always had was when we, we designed all this is we realized that an Ethereum chain or other chains simply weren't up to the task. They're too slow. You're not going to wait 11 minutes uh, for your cup of coffee at Starbucks to be paid for by a title certificate. Um, you have to have something that's much, much faster. So we built a chain that's much, much faster. In the ecosystem that we use, we use military-grade technology to overcome some of the, the nation-state threat issues uh, where we know that the, the various nation-states, I'll leave them nameless here, um, <laughs> will have a go at, at trying to steal whatever they can get their hands on, uh, quite honestly. Um, you also have to make sure that in the process, uh, that your processes are correct. Russians, for example, notorious for stealing your home, literally, uh, and then putting it on the market while you're on holiday and uh, you come back and find somebody else living there. That true story. Uh, <laughs> no, it's wild in America. Yeah. They're doing that. Yeah, exactly. So you have to have the trusted mechanisms and you have to have someone who's not just, thank you very much. I've got your digital asset on my exchange. See ya. Uh, no, what you actually have to have is an auditing, a live auditing, a live monitoring process to make sure that the asset, like you'd hope for any any company that's listed on a public exchange, you want to make sure they're live, they're kicking and they're doing their filing on time and they are what they say they are. And there's somebody there who's keeping an eye on them to make sure that they're meeting those necessarily file, you know, filing dates and, and the, the standard of the, the asset that sits on the exchange is up to the requirement of that exchange. So we, as exchange operators, have very much designed ourselves to do that policing function, surveillance, monitoring. Uh, making sure that people aren't gaming the price, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we, we manage all of those processes, as you'd hope an institutional-grade exchange should. Well, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> when right. timeshare. 
But, but Tony, it's um, I appreciate that when we start talking about some sort of macroeconomic issues, some people glaze over. Um, uh, others find it absolutely fascinating um, because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is, you know, something that impacts on all of us. Um, you know, high inflation is something which certainly, fortunately for you know, the last couple of decades, we've not really had to worry about. But, um, you know, I, 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 mu I must confess, I, I share your sentiment that I think that um, inflation will will not just go away. Um, and I was actually reading something over the weekend from Morgan uh, Morgan Stanley, and they were saying that um, oil prices, for example, are going to go back up from the sort of sort of eighty dollars a barrel mark back up to well over hundred hundred and five dollars a barrel, and that's just going to give um, again, you know, cost of inflation will will, will rise accordingly. But um, thank you for coming on the show. And, oh, my pleasure. Um, how's the best way people can get resuming on, on on LinkedIn? Yeah, no, come find me on LinkedIn, Anthony Abel. Uh, you'll find me there, uh, A-N-T-O-N-Y-A-B-E-L-L. -L, and you'll find the exchanges at www.tpx-global.com. Uh, and uh, on design, we'll, we have an exchange coming to a city near you soon. Brilliant. Okay, well, Tony, thank you very much indeed. And we will be featuring as soon as you get your first exchange up and running. Um, James, that's uh, another edition of Digital Bytes. And thank you for... You and the team for um, everything this week. And we'll be back next week with another edition. Meanwhile, if you'd like to get a physical copy of what um, Tony's written about, you can either contact uh, uh, cyber.fm, and there's a link on that site, or go, just go to teamblockchain.net, and you can sign yourself up to receive digital bytes every week into your inbox every Wednesday. So, James, as they say, that's a wrap.